You're listening to the Association Mashup. Explorations at the intersection of technology and culture. Hosted by Maddie Grant, culture designer at Propel. And Rick Bauckham, CEO and founder at Symmetry. Hello, everybody. I'm Maddie Grant. I'm super excited to be here with Rick and our special guest, Bailey, um, who will will ask her to introduce herself more in just a second. But uh, I met Bailey through a CEO mastermind group that I manage. And her story was super interesting because at the time she was about to get a new job uh, in the C-suite. Um, and, and as a CEO group, you know, that's kind of a topic that we talk about a lot in terms of uh, women specifically kind of moving up the corporate ladder. And it turns out that her new job is really, really interesting and has a very strong connection uh, between technology and culture, which of course is this, the overall theme of the association mashup. So um, I'm excited to, to introduce Bailey and you know get to talk to her, but I'll, I'll kick it over to Rick just to kick us off also. Thanks, Maddie, and hello to all of our, uh, I don't know, thousands in our audience now. I don't know. We've got a pretty good audience going these days, and I'm so excited about talking to Bailey today. Bailey and I had not met before you introduced me, and I'm really intrigued by your job title because I think it's the first chief data officer that I've met in the association industry. I've run into folks with similar titles in other industries, but I really am excited about talking about uh, what your what your job uh, responsibilities are and how you got that uh, that title. Uh, but you know, as Maddie said, our our purpose in this podcast is the kind of the intersection of technology and culture, and so we'll we'll probably drift around a bit in terms of our questions. But I re- I'm really excited about talking about this chief data officer title and what I see on your resume. So Bailey describes herself as a thought partner to the chief executive or to the executive director, CEO, uh, helping to unlock value. I love that uh, because I certainly in my consulting world hear a lot of people asking about how do we unlock value. And I, and I especially like the way you describe it hidden in the organization's membership, customers and prospects. And, um, you know, I know that people would describe me as kind of a data wonk, uh, Bailey, and uh, so I'm always excited to talk about data stuff. So how did, I guess I'll kick it off with, how did the, the chief data officer title, how did how did you get there? Well, I have to give all the credit uh, to my executive director and CEO, Lisa Washington, um, at Design Build Institute of America. This is This position is really her brainchild. But it came out of some conversations that we were having. Like Maddie said, I was looking for my next role. Um, I had been in the C-suite doing the chief operating officer role, right? So your typical number two. And I spent a year as an interim CEO. So I knew that I liked this executive strategy. But you know what I also had in my background is five long years doing AMS implementations um, on the vendor side and, you know, anybody who has done consulting or has gone through an AMS implementation will probably, um, either shrink in terror, you know, um, from the word data conversion, um, uh, or who will know the difficulty of understanding just what you have 
Um, and so some of the ideas that Lisa had really focused on, like I like, like the job description in my LinkedIn says, unlocking the value um, for our members. I do find it really tied to membership. Um, aligned well with the experiences I have working with data for many associations, seeing the the struggles and already having some of that executive perspective. I really see that the role is that marrying of uh, the association executive position and understanding the strategic goals, um, seeking alignment uh, amongst staff, departments and components and combining that with the ability to actually get it all done in the tools that you have. Uh, because there is that, uh, just like your podcast, that important marriage between knowing what you want to do and understanding how your tools and data really work and operate so that you can make it happen. You don't always need a third party to explain it to you. Um, and I think that's what this role is, is bringing that all together. Um, and, when, you know, as we were talking and developing it, uh, you know, all I could say was, yes, it sounds really intriguing. And I get I, I get the... A very similar response from association, you know, uh, execs and people in my circle, they're like, oh, a chief data officer. It is really intriguing. And I've been looking to see if there are any other chief data officers. So by all means, if you're out there, uh, please send me an email. <laughs> I think it's possible that I could be the first chief data officer um, in associations or very or one of the few, at least probably. I think you probably are in a rare group, and I I, I would uh, extend that invitation out there. We should find a way to to connect other chief data officers, whether they have that title or not, because I know yeah, there are a lot of people out there struggling with those kinds of of, of issues. Uh, and I know that uh, you know, I, it, for me, what was interesting to see was the not only your title uh, as chief data officer, but the organization you work for. Uh, I tend to think of the the construction design build that whole industry as um maybe a bit male centric uh you know there's a lot of a lot of men running around in that space and i'm always happy to see uh the the folks coming into that um who aren't the the necessarily that demographic so i know that on the association side we tend to have a good bit of that and it but i do uh assume that your in that role that you're able to influence kind of those factors as well. Some of the culture factors around how the organization operates uh, and how you meet your members. Yeah. Well, and you know, one of the fun parts for me of my portfolio of projects and work at DBIA is our DEI committee. And uh, so, yeah, I do get to help work on that. And, you know, it's such a big issue for everyone in the built environment. Um, to work on the next generation of people going into the building and design trades. Uh, it's something that needs, it needs work, time, dedication, effort. It won't just happen on its own, honestly. So it, it needs all of us to come together and really help strengthen and build that next generation of design and construction leaders. And what's really cool and I love about DBIA in particular is that we have everybody. And that's actually why data is particularly so important for us. But design build, and if you're not familiar with it, it's an a con, it's a construction delivery method that is all about building a team. So, you know, in the traditional way, you'd have the architect work with the owner, design, uh, you know, whatever it was, a building, bridge, road, and then you would bid out, you know, the construction later. 
in design build, it's a team from the very beginning. So the arch- the design, engineering, contractors, subs, everybody is a team all the way from the proposal to the end of the project. So as the owner, you kind of know that you're getting people on the same page. It just makes it more collaborative. And that's, that's what we teach. Yeah. <laughs> so we teach collaboration and teaming and communication at our association. And in fact, we even have the owners as our members as well. So we have an our membership group, you know, every aspect of that industry. So it's really neat to be able to uh, influence that, like you said, as a woman um, in that next generation. But in, in general, we kind of have this innovative approach built in to the DNA of our membership. So it, they're all really excited about this position. I can tell you, I I just had um, one of our regional leaders email me just maybe two days ago and said, I, I just saw your title and I just want to have a meeting with you. <laughs> I want to learn more and I want to know what, what can you give me? Like, what data can I have? Not, you know, what can you show me? What just like, please, I want to pick your brain about the data in our field, our industry, in our region. And so it is something that I'm seeing everybody respond to really positively. And uh, it just shows there's a need. I think this is the start of a trend, Bailey. <laughs> We're going we're gonna to help make it happen, but it's just, it's so important. And I think from what we see, you know, sort of in the association tech world is there's so many really great kind of implementers and like technical people, but that's not the same as someone who can look, you know, high level at the overall strategy um, not just the strategy for the tech, which we do have, but the strategy for everything. <laughs> and then, you know, yeah. like connect the dots between that and the the weeds, so to speak. Yeah, we, uh, I know you're in your first year there, Bailey, I believe, and, and you, I'm mm-hmm. sure you've set some goals. I, I, I'd love hearing what you guys are doing around the culture, uh, but I'd also kind of wonder about how what's your agenda like around you know what tool because there's a thousand questions out there about what tools do i use how do i approach this i'll tell you the in our consulting and uh practice you know i get the do i need a data scientist you know i get that question all the time so i mean what's your what's your approach to that so you know i think one of the first steps is um something that I've seen in every association job I've had, actually executive or not, which is sort of to get your house in order with the existing vendors that you have. I think that is step one, um, because you already have a lot of powerful tools, probably every association does, that you're either underusing um, or using crazy workarounds and therefore messing up your data, um, <laughs> and uh, or, or making your possibly even making your members enter things more than once or having them enter them into systems that go nowhere. Uh, And so that's okay. So the first step in my tools is to really review and update and clean up all of our processes for collecting data. We're a trade association. We also have individual members. You know, we offer education, certification, you know, we have publications, everything, just like everybody other association. And so where is all that data coming in? Is it coming in uniformly? You know, does it have integrity? Is it clean? This is what I'm focusing on first. Um, And then, of of course, we have some other projects. So um, our certification is not fully online. 
and that's actually a big project in itself. Yeah, I bet. We've done that. Um, so really getting our certification, recertification, fully online, smart as well. A smart certification. So it, it knows what we already know about you. You don't have to tell us. That's, you know, so not just having the application, but we already know, you know, which conferences you've been to. We know if you've taken the course and all of that. So a lot of it, like I said, is kind of getting our existing vendors to talk to each other. Um, to make sure that we're using our AMS properly as a repository of data. And then, you know, um, playing with the data lake possibility. You know, a lot of people are doing that. Um, and I think that's something they'll probably do as well, uh, just so that we have the ability to create even better dashboards. Uh, right now, I will say our dashboards are very manual. You know, that's me. <laughs> creating them. And a lot of times it's me uh, running like, you know, many, many reports and putting it together. I actually, I'm doing a session at ASAE annual um, to teach my methods of, you know, no analyst, no problem. So I'll pitch my session um, because sometimes you don't have an analyst. And I didn't have an analyst at my last association. And currently at this one, I don't even either, um, even though I have this data t title. You can do a lot on a shoestring budget if you know what you're doing, know what you're looking for, and you have some great tools. Um, you know, I use simple ones, even like Infogram to make things look beautiful when I, you know, I want slides for my board. But that is very much relying on on me, right? It isn't something that uh, any staff member can just run and pull, um, or even my regional leaders can't go in and just on demand, get dashboards, we do have reports for them. So, I, you know, in terms of down the road, in terms of projects, I would like to do something with a a stronger data lake and dashboards uh, that was more accessible to all of my stakeholders without needing me to be in there in the middle. So you mentioned Infogram. That's like one of my big things is all about um, storytelling the data, right? So, so the raw data doesn't necessarily translate or doesn't mean much to your, you know, average association staffer, but having someone who can translate that data into a report or a story or a why does this data matter, um, I think is a critical skill. Um, would you agree with that? Like, it, it sort of feels like that's what you're saying in terms of being able to oh. create these reports, right? Completely, completely. They have, you have to know what questions are in the minds of those who are going to be viewing whatever slides or PDF. Is it your membership? Is it the board? about to make an important decision? Is it staff trying to evaluate if what they're doing is successful? Is it your CEO who is wondering what to prioritize in the budget or whatever? All those things, you have to understand what the questions are. And then um, you can't just take raw data and have it mean anything. Okay, well, you're, you know, you're, you're, membership numbers are high great have they always been this high or they recently changed like is so much of it has to do with the way you're slicing it in terms of time. Uh, and comparisons, and you know, I found too that there's a lot of a lot of data can be so easily misinterpreted and skewed as well. Um, yeah, and you know, I'm thinking of like surveys where it's like you know, oh, well, this survey says everybody loves it. Well, did, you know, who did you send it to? Oh, totally. Did you send it to the group <laughs> most, likely to, most likely to love it in the first place? You know, there's you have to have that person who's a little bit. Of uh, that fly in the ointment to ask questions about the reports too. I think there's something to that. Um, uh, to slow down 
conclusions too. It's not only jumping to them and, you know, finding these insights. It's, I think the other side of that too, is the ability to question results people come in with, because I think people can really easily misinterpret uh, numbers. And I think, you know, there's part of that too. That's a really great point. Um, Yeah, I agree with the misinterpretation characterization because I think what I wonder about is how you're setting the vocabulary or the, you know, I'm often uh, baffled by walking into an organization and just asking a simple question like, what's your membership count, right? And you get different answers, right? Because people define it different ways. Some people add grace periods, some people don't. Some people, you know, think of uh, membership in different ways. So what do you think about and what's what's needed to make your organization either the storytellers or the story interpreters? Because it sounds like you're doing a lot of this. You're the chief storyteller as well, right? At this point. Uh, so how do you how do you build a culture that uh, has them get more ability to do that interpretation on their own? Is that something you're focused on? Yeah, because that is part of the investment that we're making in having, you know, a chief data officer role. I think everybody wants to do this, and I've I've wanted to in, in many other roles I've had, but we just haven't had the dedication of the staff, the time, the board time um, to do it. And so, yes, that is absolutely what we want to do. And I think that's why some of the tools I'm developing are meant to be consumed by others. Like I said, I do feel like right now I'm a necessary, you have to go through me, but that's not where we want to go. I think that's part of what I'm working to develop um, with these more dynamic dashboards. And then the culture though, of of having a data in our evaluation of our, of our programs and products as a standard when we're making the case for something, you know, when you have a great idea that we're um, actually looking in the data on our hunches, because um, data is not, not just to show you some, not, not just to discover something new, but it's also to back up your hunch. I think that's part of what we miss sometimes. Uh, we think about like data, wow, it's going to show me something I never knew. It's like, no, sometimes you know. Sometimes your gut does start you. But you can, but you can um, clinch the deal, you know, with the data behind it. So it might start with you, your instinct. You know your members. You hear them talking. You feel like you know what the next step is, but you may have it that internally, when you're making that case, you need to show data to back it up. And so I think if we can build that culture of either seeing insights or starting with our gut, but in any case making it data-driven by including it in the way that we talk to each other. This is what I'm seeing. Um, or, wow, I was running this report. If, if we could just all, as in, in any association, but ours um, is my focus, and we're talking about our department heads, just say, wow, I ran this report and I couldn't believe I saw this. You know, I think it should uh, really reframe the way we look at our, our conference. If we could talk like that. I think that would be amazing. And I think that's what I'm really trying to do is to help us get our tools in order first so that we are empowered to do that. We like to say data is the start of the conversation, not the end. Um, And actually, we're doing, at Propel, we're doing a new um, strategic impact review project, which is all about how to sunset 
So it's it's basically like cost benefit analysis of a bunch of different programs, right? But which and there's so much data collection involved in that, but it's the beginning of the conversation. Like it's not only the data that will make the decision for you as to whether you should sunset something because that that thing might have all kinds of intangible um, value, right? Like not just because some past president started it and that kind of thing, but it might actually be something that, that members love, even if it's a a smallish segment of members Um, and, and, you know, getting, having some things that members love is actually important to this, you know, association, for example. Um, But, but without that data, it's all just opinions, right? It's all just, oh, we should shut that thing down because it's not making any money. Or, oh, no, we can't shut this thing down because, you know, I know like six people who use it all the time, <laughs> you know, and it's like <laughs> you just you need the the foundation of actual data to show to, to just react to um, and build upon. Yeah. So, Bailey, I'll ask a question that I, I run into a lot. Uh, and, and it particularly plays into your title of chief data officer. Um, who owns the data? Wow. Who owns the data? You know, and I think, I mean, me now, <laughs> but I think, uh, but no, really, I think who owns the data? I actually think it's got to be, it has to be that, that everybody is feeling responsible for the data on some level, right? Because as you know, it can get it can get messy if uh, it's only that team over there. But at the end of the day, I do think um, it's probably, if there isn't a chief data officer like me, it's gotta be whoever's highest up to deal with membership. Because I do think that's probably at the heart of it. Um, because I do think that understanding your members is what I've always seen to be um, the key to success with keeping them, getting new ones. It's really how well you understand them. And so I think at the heart of it, if 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 I had to put an owner, um, didn't have this role, and actually membership is in my uh, set of teams as well. So I do oversee the membership team. I do think that membership really does need to be at the heart of it. Although you'll have alignment with your conferences and meetings, um, but if I had to pick one owner, you know, CEO is too busy. If you don't have a COO who has the time, then I would say it'd be the membership. That'd be my opinion, just because of that, that such an important connection between knowing and understanding members um, and then being able to serve them with benefits. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And I think it's a cultural issue, right, Maddie? We run into this all the time about IT owns the data, right? Or yeah. in your case, Bailey, maybe the chief data officer owns the data. Uh, and maybe to some degree, that's a bit of a, a challenge, you know, in terms of how you operate to, and tell your stories. Because I think everybody needs to be able to tell the story. But uh, if somebody else owns the data, then there's all, almost a natural disconnect there. But I know a lot of times when I'm working with Maddie, you know, her first question to me would be, what's your data? <laughs> you <know? laughs> Everybody has to understand it. Yeah. I think that's, you know, there's who owns it in terms of making the decisions about the fidelity of the data and where mm-hmm. things are going to go. I don't think it can be only the IT person. I think it has to be a collaborative. Um, 
between really when any new system is being set up or for doing a, something really large like an AMS, it obviously has to include everybody and has to include executive leadership too, I think. Uh, but, you know, like I said, it has, has to be someone who truly understands the members, in my opinion, has to be part of that um, discussion. Because, you know, and I've, like I said, I'm doing the consulting side of it for a while. I, I saw a lot of um, projects that just didn't talk to each other. Uh, and that's, that's when there is no owner. So there's the, there's the, the risk of um, being the Wild West. And then you really can't, you can't combine insights. You know, then you're always stuck looking at it from just the membership perspective or just our conferences. And you're always going a little bit more shallow, I think, on what you can combine, unless you have it all in a data lake. But a lot of associations don't have that. Yeah, I feel like it's a, a trust issue, ultimately, which is very much a culture thing. But it like if you if you have departments that are hoarding their their own data for fear that other people will mess with it, that's a lack of trust. Right. So building that trust throughout the whole organization where you could get to a desire for a data lake, for example, I think would be really important. Yeah, I think we have, uh, in the association world, we've always kind of looked at the AMS as the the core of our world, right? And all the data in there is the core of our universe. And I, I wonder, you said you were experimenting or thinking about data lakes in my world we used to call them data warehouses, but data lakes, data warehouses, kind of all, you know, it's, um, I think if you take the approach that the data is the durable asset, I wonder where you see that going. Cause we are, we do live in a best of breed world, right? We've got an AMS, we've got an LMS, we've got, you know, stuff for events and all of that stuff lives in its silo to some degree. Yeah. I, you know, I think it'll be a long way if we ever want to be away from the AMS as the center, because, uh, you know, so much members do need, they do need one place, right? This, when they're interacting with us um, to enter what we want to know about them on a core level. But yes, you're right. I mean, DBA alone, we have so many systems to, to get that best in breed. And, um, you know, that's, that's why I said that is why uh, it is on my mind to create this data lake, data warehouse, it, it does allow you to, to keep a lot of dimension to your data rather than trying to simplify it to get it all back in the AMS, right? There's some level of that that you can do. Um, yeah, but yeah, you, you, it is a powerful tool. You know, it's an investment, Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of time and, and finances. But I think, yeah, if you, if you are running a big operation with a lot of best in breed, it's, you know, I think it is one of the really important tools out there to um, help you take your reporting to the next level. I do think that it's out there. But I, I, I do think, though, that um, it can be done without all that as well. It just takes a little more uh, manpower and um, more data savvy people on your staff. Yeah, and the data savvy part of it is the trick, right? Because, the, you know, you're looking at those things in the in the various uh, silos, if you will, which is, it's it, that is what's so interesting to me about your role as the chief data officer, because you're the the first 
I always think of things in the people process technology stacks, right? And you're mm-hmm. the first, um, again, first chief data officer I've run into in this uh, environment. And so there's a people, there's a person name on that, on the whole data ownership data thing. And I think that's that's interesting from both a technical perspective and just the, the culture and tone that it sets about how you uh, deal with the, you know, the storytelling as you describe it, which is a, an appropriate way to describe what you're doing. Well, and the executive level is one that eliminates that issue of territory. Mm. Well, you know, in a way, uh, well, I'm responsible for, you know, the whole whole aspect of it, right? I don't, I, I you know, I have teams I supervise, but the whole association is my issue as, um, as anyone in the C-suite. It's it's not a particular department necessarily that is your, it's your strategic goals, especially if you're a chief anything, your strategic plan, strategic goals are uh, primary. You know, that's your function is to be guarding the biggest uh, chunks of strategy for the organization, no matter if you're a CFO or CIO or anything else. You, you know, C-suite above all have to know those, you know, on the back of their hand. Um and be comfortable with what our big picture objectives are. And I think that helps with that alignment. Uh, yeah, 100%. You know, territory, territory doesn't matter matter a lot, to me, you know, because it's like, well, I, I've got our goals to, to yeah. meet, you know. And I, I think that is helpful. So maybe it's even building that into if there's not a chief data officer and to somebody else, you know, in that executive team to bring that alignment. So I think we're um, running up against time and I feel like that's a really great way to end this session actually. Um, so we're putting a call out for associations to create a chief data officer role if they don't already have one. And if you are listening and you are a, or know a chief data officer, definitely want to get in touch with Bailey. <laughs> we're going to build a whole um, community of chief data people. Um, but this was just a really, really great conversation. And I'm very excited to help, you know, give some uh, visibility to this role and how important it is, because I think it's the key to many things that we talk about on this show. <sighs> Absolutely. Bailey, thank you for sharing your story with us. I love that you're the chief storyteller and I love the chief data officer title. Hope that we see more of them uh, in our industry and uh, and hopefully we can build a community of chief data people. I like that. We're just going to call it that, the chief data people <laughs> podcast or something. I don't know. But thank you so much, Bailey, for your time today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you like this conversation, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform. And please share it with your friends. And visit us at symmetry.com and propelnow.co.